0: Before we start, please be aware that this episode does have sexual references which may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, I'm Angela. And over the next few sessions, we're going to be together talking about you growing up, your body, its changes, and a lot more. And I think you're going to find it fascinating. Everything is based on love. And the person who loves us most of all is God. So let's start by asking him to help us to understand about it all. Sex education in Ireland has come a long way since Angela was teaching us about it in the 80s. And while it might have progressed since then, it still has some way to go. A review of the current social, personal and health education curriculum found it was 20 years out of date And now, finally, change is on the way. First to get a revamp will be the junior cycle syllabus. Not only will those students be learning about the body and its changes, they'll also be taught about consent, relationships, the effects of pornography on sexual expectations and LGBTQ plus issues.
1: So it's very broad. It's very wide ranging. What it's effectively trying to do is to to capture where young people are at in in a way that previous uh, curricula didn't.
0: But there is already some pushback, specifically on issues covering gender identity, for example, or porn literacy. The Catholic Primary School Management Association has warned that pupils should not be taught about transgenderism amid fears of, in their words, psychological contagion.
2: We had the same thing with... The LGBT movement, and we had the same thing with gay young people. People were afraid that it was going to spread, that talking about it was going to make your child gay. And now we laugh at that because it's ludicrous.
0: I'm Aideen Finnegan, and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, will misinformation and moral panic dilute sex education in our schools? Carl O'Brien, Education Editor of the Irish Times. I don't know about you now, Carl, but my sex education in the 90s was woeful and thankfully things have improved, but not much it would seem because the current syllabus is still 20 years out of date, according to a government-commissioned review. So the junior cycle is the first curriculum to get an overhaul and it's due to be taught in schools from this September. It still hasn't been published, though. So what's in it? Where is it? Time's a ticking here, isn't it?
1: It is. Um, so, you know, that review that you mentioned, like that basically found that you're right, that this, the sex education syllabus, SPHE, as it's known, it was too focused on biology. Um, it was out of date, didn't reflect the reality of young people's lives. And what teenagers were telling the researchers was that they wanted much greater emphasis on issues like consent, uh, relationships, uh, the effects of pornography on, on sexual expectations, um, LGBTQ plus matters, uh, all of those issues. So, so then that that's what's fed into to this focus on a new curriculum for sex education. As you said, junior cycle is, is the first one to roll out. And um, it's early days. All we have really at this stage is um, an overview, if you like, of what's likely to be implemented in schools. And it's largely focused on you know emotional well-being making healthy choices and positive relationships those types of issues so it's very uh, broad it's very wide ranging uh, but what it's effectively trying to do is to to capture you know, where young people are at in, in a way that previous uh, curricula didn't. And there's also a big emphasis in parallel to this on training teachers because what they found in this review is teachers just were not confident to deliver the subject. In often, often cases, it was the teacher who was the last in and with the least experience was kind of given the SPHE. You know, even though students say, actually, you know this is crucial in, in terms of uh, getting a sense of relationships and uh, sex education and all of those well-being issues which are so important to them when you ask them what they rate highly in in their school experience.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. I would have thought, you know, if you go to St. Pat's or Mary Immaculate or one of the teaching colleges, that that would form part of your teacher training, but it doesn't.
1: They touch on it, uh, but it's not, there isn't a specific qualification until very recently in actually delivering this subject. So, and teachers will tell you, this is the most difficult subject to deliver because, of course, by by its nature, it's the kind of subject that, you know, gets a reaction from students, you know, and it can be embarrassing for the teacher and the students and it can be much more challenging in a way that other subjects aren't, you know. So, uh, whereas they've actually found, you know, there's some really great... Uh, templates out there w- which are being used by very progressive teachers and a lot of it involves kind of role play and, and, and acting out a situation in terms of, you know, relationships are, are dealing with issues like consent and just putting this within a classroom setting in a safe way. And what you do here consistently is that, you know, young people, you know, they, they stop asking parents questions, you know, from around, let's say, 11 or 12. And at that point on, you get your information from friends are the internet. So the big argument for doing this and, and boosting expertise in this is that, well, let's teach young people about this in a safe and controlled setting. And uh, uh, so I think finally, there, there's a much uh, bigger uh, systemic focus on this in a way that there hasn't been in the past.
0: And Carl, have your sources indicated when we can expect to see this new curriculum? Um,
1: we, should ex- we, we have seen a draft of it. Uh, and that came out around, um, I think, late last year. And there will be an updated version, the finalized version, which will come out shortly. I've seen a draft of that myself and, and effectively that will feed into how the subject is going to be rolled out in September. And it's very much, a, as we just discussed, you know, it's, um, it's not hugely controversial. You know, it, it, it covers all those issues like emotional well-being, healthy choices, positive relationships. But if there is one area of controversy, it is around a gender identity There was one paragraph which made some controversy, and I'll read it out here. It said, um, and this was in the learning outcomes of the the new junior cycle sex education curriculum, and it said, students should appreciate that sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression are core parts of human identity, and each is experienced along a spectrum. Now that line drew particular ire from critics, because you had parents groups complaining that this was promoting uh, gender ideology, unquote. Um, some Catholic bodies were insisting that the schools uh, should not have to teach this because it would um, fly against their ethos. And, and some insisted the education sector was being led by this, what they described as this narrow-minded, gender-affirmative approach. And, and, and it assumed everyone believed in gender identity and that belief system. Um, now. A new 26-page specification is going to be published shortly, and it has been watered down uh, quite significantly. So that particular uh, sentence, which I just read out, is now rephrased as follows. It says, students should appreciate the breadth of what constitutes human sexuality and how sexual orientation and gender identity are experienced and expressed in diverse ways. So that's certainly less controversial and contested, if you like, mm. and and, th- and it goes on to define gender identity as a person's felt internal and individual experience of gender, which may or may not correspond with the sex registered at birth. A- and this final version has also dropped a reference to cisgender in, in, in an earlier version, and that was defined as when someone's gender identity aligns with the sex they were assigned at birth. So um, they certainly have responded to a lot of that criticism. As I understand, that is going to be certainly published um, imminently.
0: The senior cycle redesign will be next year, won't it? And then the primary school redesign will be the year after that. So absolutely no work has started on that. But already the Catholic Primary Schools Managers Association have already warned they don't think pupils should be taught about, quote unquote, transgenderism. will they have to teach it if it's on the curriculum? Or can they use their school ethos as a way around it?
1: That is uh, an open question, you know. So the official line, you know, from the Department of Education is that, you know, the matter of um, adjusting the curriculum or uh, tweaking it shouldn't arise because, you know, students have a right to this uh, information. But the reality is legislation does permit schools to adjust how they teach based on their ethos. That is a fact. So... um, now the question is, I think as well, is will parents choose to opt their children out in some cases as well? And mm. you are entitled, you are entitled to opt your child out of any lesson if it goes against your your conscience, and that goes for you know even core curriculum. So, uh, so that is there as well. But I think the hope is that you know this curriculum has been based on a lot of consultation, and the hope that while there may be fears and anxiety now that when people actually see it uh, and see what's in black and white that it won't cause as much controversy and and, and, uh, schools will adopt this on a local level and deliver it as intended. That certainly is the hope. You know, schools, they have a long track record of, of dealing with a lot of contested issues and controversial issues. And I'm going, going back to the original rollout of, of sex education. This is back in the 80s and 90s uh, and the Stay Safe program. And there was a lot of the same arguments vented then as are vented now. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of misinformation. But the actual rollout of that went relatively smoothly you know there was a lot of parents saying we're going to withdraw our kids from this but ultimately when it rolled out people actually saw that well actually this does make sense it is solid and it's grounded and it was a change but it's now embedded and nobody really questions it and i think it's likely that the same will happen this time the only difference is i think social media you know we've a very very polarized public discourse out there and obviously elements of something get, get taken out of context and uh, decontextualized you know, within seconds and it's circulated around, you know, uh, thousands, millions of people. So that's the difference this time.
0: Carlo Brian, thank you very much for joining
1: us. Thank you.
0: Coming up, I'll be talking to Owen Cleary, a teacher in County Wicklow, who is bringing porn literacy to the classrooms. Owen Cleary, you are an English teacher, not an SPHE teacher, but you do oversee the well-being programmes Body Right and Let's Get Real at your school in Temple Carrig in Greystones County, Wicklow. Those two programmes are for third years and transition year students to teach them about consent, sexual activity and porn literacy, amongst other things. And from your work, you've gleaned that this generation of teens appears to be getting nearly all of their sex education from porn what do they tell you they feel is expected of them if and when they become sexually active?
2: Yeah, I, I suppose it's important to say that everything I'm doing in the school, it's all coming from the student. Uh, it's all just giving the student a voice in this discussion. And the programmes that we're providing is in direct response to the demand that the students told us was there and the gap that they saw in our teaching around uh, SBHE and RSE. For male students, they say that they feel that they're expected to um chase their partner to be dominant, to be aggressive, including choking and slapping or throwing her around, to be in control, to know what to want, to want anal sex, to stay hard until she orgasms, um, to ejaculate on various parts of her body and to be with as many partners as possible. Wow. Yeah. And then our female students, um, They feel that they're expected to be submissive and choking and slapping comes up here as well to give him a hand job, to give him a blow job, to swallow, to have no pubic hair, to make pleasure noises, to orgasm or pretend to, to be kinky, to do what he says and to do what he likes.
0: What do you tell them when they say that?
2: Uh, so that the, the program is a it's a six week module um, of eighty minutes a week. So it takes quite a while to get to that point where they're comfortable to talk about those things, and they they feel like the space has been created for them to to discuss these issues. And when they read out these lists of what's expected of what they feel is expected of them in a sexual interaction, I just point out to them that traditionally they would be taught how to have sex with somebody by their parents, and ask them if their parents are teaching them these things. And the response to that is laughter. And then I say, well, the only other people who are tasked with teaching you about sex are your teachers or your teachers teaching you these things. And uh, they laugh in response to that as well. And I just ask them. And the very first time I said it, it took a while for a brave student to put his hand up and say, can I be honest, sir? I said, of course, that's the whole point. And he says, it's porn. Now they're very open. Uh, In fact, often when the lists are being read out, things like to be uh, like what you see in porn often comes up as, as some of the things that they feel are expected of them.
0: So how do you actually go about myth busting, essentially?
2: Um. So after they uh, discuss what they feel is expected of them and and after they say that it's come from the porn industry, we just start talking about the purpose of the porn industry, uh, how it came about, what it's feeding, what drives it. and. I talk about how let's say for example you are not sexually active which legally they can't be until they're seventeen and if you're accessing porn which an awful lot of them are from the age of uh, well twelve at the stage that they're currently at but as young as eight years of age now
0: wow eight
2: yeah and actually the, the that's the youngest I've heard of somebody that I know telling me that they've encountered porn and that person is is currently in transition here so uh, they didn't have the access that eight-year-olds currently have to the internet. But we talk about how if you condition yourself with porn before you're even sexually active, that actually you're conditioning your brain to be turned on by pornographic images, that sex becomes something uh, visual for you. And when I say that, they just, uh, you can see them go, well, of course, sex sex is visual, because that's been their only exposure to it. And that if you're conditioning yourself for a certain amount of years that you then will be conditioned to be turned on by what you're seeing in porn and that you'll start interacting with people when you do finally go to have a sexual encounter in the way that you've seen enacted on porn. And I suppose they, they say very quickly, look, we know it's not real. And I'm very quick to tell them, well, actually there's two things to talk about there. One, um, it is real. It's real sex that you're seeing. It's real sex that you're seeing with real people and gen- and more often than not, real women being treated in a violent manner. And it's really important for them to realize that. But also when they say they know that it's not really what their sexual experiences are going to be like, they also very quickly say, but actually nobody's ever told us what our sexual experiences might be like. So this is the only thing that fills the gap. And that's when we discuss maybe the negative outcomes that they can see happening in society or happening within their own relationships or within relationships they've heard of, whereby porn might be having a negative impact on how people are interacting sexually when they do get to, or when they do decide to have sex with somebody. The last session that we have is to uh, provide a class whereby they get to create a list of all of the things they don't want their sexual experience to be like then a list of all of the things they do want their sexual experiences to be like, and then to figure out what it is they need to establish with a person that they're going to be interacting with sexually to make sure that they have the best possible chance of both people avoiding all of the negative aspects that they decided they don't want to experience and to give them the best possible chance of experiencing the positive elements of sex. From the feedback from the students, it's just so incredibly valuable for them to hear their peers say, this is what I want and this is what I'd enjoy and this is what I don't want. It's hugely freeing for them and it's hugely relieving for the students to realise that actually everybody wants loving, uh, intimate, private, communicative, trusting, loyal sex as opposed to what they thought or feared was expected of them previously.
0: Yeah, I see, I would say that that's a very welcome departure from the fear-based sex education that I had, you know, when I was in school. Um, but I can imagine, I can imagine, actually, if that was nationwide, there'd be an awful lot of lobby groups or, you know, I don't know who, I wouldn't name anyone, but I can imagine there being a lot of pushback against that. Like, have you experienced... I suppose any, you know, opposition from parents that this shouldn't be taught or this isn't because we we always hear about this thing age appropriate. What's your experience of how parents feed back to you on
2: this? The parents um, of our school are hugely supportive of it. I send something out at the beginning of every year that tells the parents what we're going to be teaching their students in every year, in every Weeks so that if they want to continue the conversations at home they can and, and I would encourage them to do that um, there hasn't been any negative feedback from it or very very little that I've come across and certainly nothing that couldn't be addressed with the parents and to leave the parents concern in that regard I would say that we have experienced a fear based sex education that's what I received and it didn't work, it didn't serve me, it didn't serve my positive sexual development and and in the absence of of empowered, positive sexual education, a whole generation of Irish people, my generation of Irish people and the generation that followed turned to the porn industry and and relied on it and to misinform us about what was expected. And we see the outcome of that in the rising culture of, of misunderstood uh, sexual encounters, particularly when it comes to, I suppose, the first couple of years in university around college campuses. The Dublin Race Crisis Centre have just launched this We Consent campaign to shift the culture around discussion around sex in Ireland from being fear-based, not just in schools, but in the country, that we need to start talking about sex in terms of pleasure and fun. And and that consent is pleasure and that consent is fun. And I think it's it's happening at a time, like I've been chatting about this for years, and I'm not the only one, <laughs> loads of people have been chatting about this for, for uh, 20 years. Like Enda Kenny stood up in the doll and said it, ten years ago and nobody was ready to listen to him um, and it just happens that I happen to be talking about it when the country seems to be start listening to it and it's great and it's very exciting but I think it's not just something that we need to roll out in secondary school it's something that we need to start talking about from grandparents to parents aunties and uncles and siblings so that everybody is uh, literate when it comes to consent and and then the porn industry's power over the next generation's understanding of sex becomes immediately diluted
0: so that's sex education. Oh, and unfortunately, for some vulnerable trans students, there's a lot of misinformation and hysteria being whipped up over gender identity. Now, it's it's mostly online. Are you experiencing that on the front line, so to speak? Like, you know, parents objecting to teens being taught about gender dysphoria, etc. Because we hear we hear this sort of moral panic about how that spreads contagion, <laughs> rather than educating young people about gender identity.
2: Yeah, I suppose uh, we're very aware of it at the moment because of certain court cases that are going on that we're following with interest and fear because we have a number of uh, students that identify as trans in our school and we're concerned for them and how it might affect their mental health. The program I teach, the the one that moves into porn literacy, it actually starts as a program that's that looks at gender expectations based on gender, and we discuss gender and what it means to be male and what it means to be female, and we discuss the difference between uh, sex and gender and what it is to be trans, and I suppose in response to the fear that's out there, I understand it because it's new and it's different and it's scary because it involves your child, but it, We had the same thing with the LGBT movement and we had the same thing with gay young people. People were afraid that it was going to spread, that talking about it was going to make your child gay. And now we laugh at that because it's ludicrous. We know trans people exist because they sit in front of us in the classrooms and they tell us they exist. And I'm not a medical authority. and It's not my job to judge somebody or to tell them that their experience is right or wrong or true or not. My job as a teacher is to provide the students that sit in front of me with the education that they are entitled to in a manner that serves them and serves their dignity. So in that regard, it's my duty to respect whatever uh, experience a child tells me they're going through. And it certainly isn't my position to question it or judge them on it. And I can only speak for myself, but I would feel strongly that any teacher that is not fulfilling those obligations is failing their students in that regard. And just when it comes to the fears around your children being gay or being trans, that's not something you can control. So instead, what we need to look at is how to create uh, society and uh, communities and school communities where it's absolutely fine to be gay and absolutely fine to be trans. And then there's no fear around it because nobody will ever be treated any differently than the majority of the school or wider population.
0: You know, oh, and what you've told me is is coming out of young people's mouths is is just so alarming, and it seems really positive that they're having this dialogue with you and getting this information at a very crucial time. And what strikes me is that what you're talking about is, you know, because you took the initiative and these programs are going on in your school, you know, what's taught at Temple Carrig is not mandatory. Are you hopeful that the redesign of the SPHE curriculum will standardise this approach so that, you know, young people across the country will automatically get this education and it won't be just down to whether a given school is progressive on these issues or
2: not? I mean, that would be that would be the dream. And I think and that's not from my perspective. I think students across the country are crying out for it. And um, certainly anybody I've heard of or spoken to is desperate to to be given the tools or the skills to be able to have these conversations in their classroom and teachers are also crying out for it I know there's fear out there for uh, certain teachers about how to address this topic but um, I don't think it's a fear of talking about it it's just a fear of getting it wrong and it's because you know like you said I'm in a Fantastic school that has a fantastic management that's empowered me to go off and get these skills and these toolkits from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. But to teach porn literacy, you have to be porn literate. And if you're not, which, you know, the previous generation weren't because their exposure to porn was so different to, to the current generation's exposure to porn. Yeah, it can be very daunting, but the skills are there and and really all you're doing, like I don't, it would be, first of all, it would be so ineffective if I went into a classroom and just said porn is bad, it's not good for you, don't watch it. Nobody's going to listen to me if I do that. What you're really learning to do is to facilitate a conversation where the students realise the impact it's having on them and where they get to hear each other discuss uh, the aspects of it that they don't like and that they realise aren't good for them and, and how they can start figuring out. Uh, what is good for them. And I suppose, it's yeah, it is scary, but you only have to hear it coming out of my mouth. Every Tuesday morning, I hear these things being said by my 15 and 16-year-old students, you know, as if it's the most normal thing in the world. And I just, sometimes I really wish that parents or, or educators or the people who make these decisions in the Department of Education could be in the room to hear what the real lived experience of the young people were meant to be providing these services to uh, is.
0: Owen, you mentioned that teachers are a bit fearful of teaching this subject matter, not because they are squeamish, but just they're afraid of getting it wrong. What's the sense on the ground, you know, because we still don't have this curriculum published yet and it's supposed to be taught from September, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And And that is a major concern because SPHE is becoming one of the most essential courses in young people's lives and no teacher qualifies in it. Primarily you qualify as a geography teacher or a history teacher or a science teacher and then you get lumped with these classes that sometimes you resent because you're not qualified in it and you don't have the skills to teach it. And teachers really, really care about their students and they want to deliver them uh, with the skills that they need. But a major concern is that particularly when you start talking about sexual interaction uh, and porn literacy, If you don't have the wherewithal to discuss that in a safe space with students, that is a recipe for, you know, possibly inappropriate and negative messaging to come across to students in a classroom if somebody goes in either thinking they know what they're talking about or without any real grounding in, in porn literacy themselves. Teachers need to be trained, and for that to happen, a curriculum has to be published. We have only six weeks of school left after the Easter holidays, and 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 then it's supposed to be rolled out from September. And that is a genuine concern that I think people should have. I think it's great that porn is going to be uh, addressed on the curriculum. I think it's essential that the people who are addressing it are trained adequately to look after the students in their in their care.
0: Oh, and Clary, thank you very much for joining
2: us. Not at all, thank you.
0: That's it for today. For full access to Irish Times journalism, including all of Carl's articles, go to irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday.